Welcome to episode 003 of Affordable Italy, Living La Dolce Vita on a Bootstring. This is your host, Nancy Steele. Join me today as I talk to an American expat in Sicily who shares her experiences living smack dab in the middle of the Mediterranean, where she reports excellent health care and an affordable and rich lifestyle. In 2019, the world looked inviting to me. I was enjoying early retirement, and my husband's retirement loomed with the promise of freedom and the long-awaited opportunity to stretch our wings and spend some extended time exploring the world. Then, in 2020, my husband and I found ourselves a bit lost, emotionally and geographically. The global pandemic and our reaction to it had uprooted and moved not only our home, but our early retirement plans as well. As a Pacific Northwest native, who'd fallen in love with and immigrated to New Orleans, a city whose colorful cultures, landscape, and spirit just breathed into me. I suddenly found myself on the brown flat plains in the center of America, about as far from my subtropical heart home as I could imagine. It was a difficult move for me, and a wise friend who knows me well said, Duh, you've had the most European of American cities. All that's left for you is the real Europe, or the beach. <laughs> I'm a firm believer that when life gives you lemons, you make cocktails or limoncello. So my thought was, why not both? And our journey toward Italy began. But the reality was that our financial situation had changed and the world had become much more expensive too. We weren't sure Italy was within our reach. Could we afford it? Europe's rich cultural treasures, globally ranked healthcare, Fresh and amazing food, safe neighborhoods, and heavenly landscapes appealed to us most certainly. But would there be room in our middle-class American retiree income for other things too? Bars, restaurants, cafes, travel, grandkids? Or were the rumors really true that Italy would consume much of our income in taxes? Thanks to a bevy of generous American expats in Italy who've given advice and my favorite podcast, Retire There by Gil and Jean we realized that many expats are living in Italy affordably. Now we're on a countdown and determined to use our time wisely. We want to be fully prepared for the move we now are hoping to make in 2027. If you're thinking of moving to Italy, perhaps you've got questions too. Join me with expats and experts as we explore affordable Italy, living La Dolce Vita on a bootstring. grew up in Southern California and went to school in Arizona, where she met Ken. Listeners may be amused to know her friends called her Barbie, which means I really should have called this episode Barbie and Ken's Dream House in Sicily, but I won't. Ken grew up in Texas and then attended Oregon State University. The couple made their way to Oregon, Salem, living and working there for 15 years. Ken worked for the Oregon State Military Department. Barbara worked for the Department of Agriculture. There were no particular plans for retirement, but wild things can happen in this world. In 2004, Ken sat down on a bus and proceeded to chat with a gentleman seated next to him. They commiserated over recent political trends that both were concerned about until the gentleman said, Oh, well, doesn't matter because my wife's got Italian citizenship and we're moving to Italy very soon. Ken spent the rest of the ride gleaning information and upon arriving at home announced to his American wife of Italian ancestry that he had a plan. Barbara responded with both an expletive and concern regarding his mental welfare. But the seed was planted and before long, 
the search for Barbara's ancestral chain in Italy was underway. Her route to citizenship involved a few steps that seemed nothing short of miraculous to me, but achieve it she did. After citizenship by bloodlines for Barbara, citizenship by marriage for Ken, and a trip to Sicily to meet previously unknown relatives, the plan was born for a retirement in Sicily. Sixteen years later, they transplanted themselves to a new life on the island, where they fell over the moon in love with the food, climate, physical beauty, and most of all, the people. Neighbors became friends to rely upon as the bureaucratic web of Italy presented complexities and surprises before moving and after. Their renovated farm near Terramina, Sicily, complete with livestock, an array of fruit trees, a bocce ball court, and requisite outdoor pizza oven is now shared with guests as a Sicilian farm stay hosted by American expats. Neither of them currently quote-unquote works other than to tend their farm, which is a labor of love, and to tend the needs of their guests at Archi del Alcantara. Barbara has written two books about their move and life in Sicily, which can both be found on Amazon. The first, Over the Sicilian Moon, chronicles their journey to citizenship and the move. The second, Retired in Sicily, a follow-up to Over the Moon, which I am currently enjoying, tells about the life they're living in Sicily. Unfortunately, Ken won't be able to join us today, but I hope listeners are as eager as I am to hear about living both richly and affordably in Sicily with Barbara. Thank you so much, Barbara, for making time in your extremely full day at Archi del Alcantara to help paint a picture for us of what your rural life is like near Terramina, Sicily. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you have expressed that you wrote Over the Sicilian Moon with a desire to help other Americans of Italian descent embrace their heritage, especially those from Sicily. And I honestly think it's a brilliant tool to help people understand the beautiful life you've carved out in Sicily. Today, I'm hoping for a more general goal, and that would be to help anyone interested in moving and living in Italy to understand Sicily's affordability and to perhaps dispel some myths that continue to haunt Sicily's reputation. The first thing I really have to ask you about is those stone walls. Is it true that some are over 3,000 years old and were built by the Greeks on your property? Yes, it is. It's amazing. I still look in awe because this is a unique combination of very old and new. The house is new. The aqueduct is ancient. The walls are ancient. They date back, we think, about 2,700 years, Greeks and Romans. Wow, in your backyard. <laughs> Fascinating. It really is. So tell us a little bit about your life in Sicily. Our days are full of, as you said, uh, labor of love. It's a lot of work. I've never worked so hard since I've retired, truthfully. <laughs> <laughs> but at least now we're doing things for ourselves and things we want to do, and, you know, instead of going to a cubicle and working for some agency. Our day starts very early because we have animals. We have a couple of Sardinian donkeys, a couple of goats, a couple of dogs, a couple of cats, and a few chickens. Especially this time of year, we need to beat the heat. It's very hot in July and August, and so we get up and we um, need to get our chores done before that sun comes up over the ridge. Okay. And the animals and uh, we also entertain guests we host a lot of guests through airbnb so we chat with them feed them breakfast and go about our day and by afternoon we're chilling drinking wine enjoying life sure we'll go to bed early and start all over again 
Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I'm going to read for listeners just a quick little synopsis that I found of all places on a cruise website describing Taormina. You're rural, so you're not in the city of Taormina, but I thought this was just absolutely a snapshot that made me want to go. Of all the cities and towns of Sicily, it's perhaps Taormina, Italy, which is the most seductive. Set in the arid, cactus-studded flanks of Mount Toro. Am I saying that correctly? Taormina, but it's next to Mount Etna. Okay. This famous resort town teeters above the Bay of Naxos and offers wonderful, far-reaching views from its many outlooks. At the foot of the mountain lies one of Italy's best beaches in Isola Bella. Isola Bella, uh uh-huh. While at its crown is the atmospheric Greek theater. In between these two astonishing landmarks is a gorgeous resort town offering a maze of antique streets. Boutiques line the basalt-paved high street of Corso Umberto, and parks are shady with parasol-like pines. It seems that the entirety of Terramina, Italy, is, and it should probably be Terramina, Sicily, is designed Mm -hmm. to encourage you to linger. So why resist? It's a great description. Terramina is considered the pearl of Sicily, and rightfully so. It's just gorgeous. It's perched way up high on a a hill, like many towns in Sicily are. So it's full of switchbacks, curvy roads to get up there, but there's a cable car, which makes it quite fun and easier. And a beautiful, beautiful view of the whole coast, the Bay of Noxos, as you mentioned, going up there. And then the town itself is closed off to traffic. So it's just people on foot. It does get quite crowded in the summer, but with Terramina's beautiful in its own right, and you have gorgeous views of the coast and Mount Etna from up there, But in addition to that, there's the the Greek theater built in 700 BC that's better than the ruins in Athens is in Terramina. And there's a botanical garden to boot. It's an amazing place. Wow. So in your journey, when when you guys concocted the plan of moving to Sicily for retirement, did you look at the entire island of Sicily or was there a particular draw for this region and Terramina? Um, We came here in 2014 for the first time to meet long-lost cousins that I never knew existed. Before we descended upon them, we were nervous, naturally. I didn't speak any Italian then, and they didn't speak any English, and we had never met them, so it was... It was a little nerve-wracking. We stopped and got a place to stay near Terramina in Giardini Noxos at the beach. We thought we'd just spend a couple days there to like work up our courage and relax and get over jet lag and all of that. And while we were there, we just fell in love. And we were like, this is amazing. I mean, the vibe we got from Giardini Noxos was like growing up in Huntington Beach, California in the 70s. It was like, wow, it's like going back in time. I could totally live here. What a great picture. It really was. And then and then we went and took the cable car to Terramina, and it's just such a magical and romantic place that you just can't help but fall in love. So pretty much we were like, this is awesome. But it wasn't until after we actually met the cousins that we started to seriously consider moving here. And we did, and when we did, we decided that Giardini Nachos, Terramina area would work just fine. Uh, I know a lot of people suggest that you rent or that you rent here, then rent there, explore the island, figure out exactly where you want to live. But our attitude was when you make a decision, you just go for it because we're retirement age. There's no time to waste. You know, Mm -hmm. once you're here, you can visit anywhere in a matter of hours. So, you know, why spend time researching it completely? It's just not necessary. In some ways, maybe you would even just find more to love and it would just become more confusing if you already know you love the area, you've solved the problem. Yeah, too many choices isn't always a good thing, right? (laughs) (laughs) True, true. A lot of your reason for moving to Sicily was actually due to family. In terms of choosing Italy 
Sicily, Terramina area. Was affordability a part of that decision making? And if yes, how did you go about ascertaining that it was affordable and right for you? It was there was never a question that we would live any place in Italy other than Sicily. Okay. Because we we met the cousins and we wanted to be near them and we felt at home here and we fell in love with the island. And it's where my grandparents were from. So it was always going to be Sicily. And we had already fallen in love with Giardini Noxus and Terramina. So if we could find a place there, even better. <laughs> we did know about the 7% tax um, policy for retirees from abroad. And so that was, you know, made it so much easier. Let me clarify for listeners that Terramina Sicily actually does qualify as a 7% uh, substitutive tax due to population in the region of Sicily. And as of January 2022, according to ISTAT, that population was 10,471 souls. Those familiar with the flat tax regime know that what we're looking for is less than 20,000. So Teramina actually has a lot of room to grow and still be flat tax. Absolutely. So yes, and Teramina is lovely. And it just so happens that our farm is within the commune of Teramina, but we're at the very, very edge, we're as far away as you can be and still be in Teramina, okay. which worked out, um, it worked out great for other things like getting an Italian mortgage, for example. But yes, we do qualify for the 7% and that was a part of our decision. Yep, we did our taxes, yeah. Successfully, I love mm -hmm. hearing that. You know, it, it's um, still new enough because the pandemic interrupted that time frame. I think, you know, it came out in 2019, 2020, 2021, nothing happening mm -hmm. in Italy, not so many people moving there. I think it's hard to determine how successful that regime has been because of that big interruption. So it's always interesting to hear when somebody actually has been successful mm -hmm. as, at plugging into that 7% flat tax. Were you able to calculate anticipated costs for things like healthcare, insurance costs, utility costs? I mean, that's pretty hard to do from America with Sicily being A, so far away, and B, a whole different language plus dialect, probably. The answer is no. We were not able to anticipate <laughs> much. Um, not for lack of trying, trust me. I mean, obviously, when you decide we're going to move to another country, you are then obsessed with research from that point on, which we were. You know, you ask, you read, you research as much as you can in any way you can possibly think of. And you still come out not knowing exactly, not even close, what it's going to be. At some point, you just have to have faith in yourself that you'll figure it out. It's a leap of faith. You know, when you love something and want something so much, you have somehow this confidence that the universe is going to back you up and it's all going to work out. Mm -hmm. Not to say it's not scary at times, but yeah, I mean, there was things we didn't know about. And despite how much you try to find out, you're just not going to know until you let it. I think that's such a realistic way to come at it, to know that, you know, I'm a bit of a control freak. So, of course, you know, we're not even applying until 2027, but I'm trying to get every question answered that I can multiple years before and started in 2019, really. I think the realistic way to come at it is things are going to go right and things are going to go wrong. That's very, that's very accurate. You can't, you just can't know it all. And in some ways I've discovered that maybe it's better that you don't know it all. Because if I knew everything and how hard it was actually going to be, some of those things might have been deal breakers for me. And that would have been a shame because then I wouldn't be here right now. 
I love that. In ratings and reviews on Amazon, one of your reviewers mentions in your books that they love the balance you give of the hard side and the difficulties that you faced, but also painting that picture of what your life is like in terms of that beauty. Yeah, it's definitely worth it, but um, there's definitely risk involved. And if you're not a risk taker and not flexible, probably it's not something that you could do. It is also one of the reasons that I wrote the books because there just was so little information out there. And now there's so many expats moving here and I already know a lot of them and they're all so grateful to have a book, even though, you know, their experiences are certainly going to be different. It gives them an idea of what to look for, what pitfalls they might want to avoid, what questions to ask, just a, an idea of what to expect where we had none of that. I so appreciate that. Thank you so much. That's actually the whole premise of what our Facebook and the podcast is about. Yes, I believe people need to do their own work. They have to do their own work. And you have to be tough enough to understand that you're going to continue doing legwork and that it's not easy, especially with language barrier. But why not share? the information that is accessible, share experiences from those willing to. So I, I just can't appreciate enough or tell you how much I appreciate your willingness to share with others for that reason. I mean, it's very meaningful. I, I see that daily now on the Facebook group. People really appreciate the expat input. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I wanted to um, help people and warn them, but at the same time, inspire them because despite the difficulties it is still possible. It is still affordable. And we're a good example of that. Love it. You bought your property before you moved. Did you use any kind of uh, professional help for that? Or even um, just during that entire process? Commercialista is a realtor in, no. Commercialista is a tax person. Yes. Uh, did you use a, a realtor that's called an immobilier in Sicily? And or any kind of professionals to help you with that purchase? We did, but none of the ones you mentioned. We used, <laughs> <laughs> you don't need a realtor to buy a house here. What we used was called a property finder. And actually what we started with was an, an Italian mortgage broker because we were going to be living in America for two more years until we could retire. We didn't have the money from the sale of our house yet. Oh, so yeah. we had to get an Italian mortgage, which you can only do if you have citizenship. Luckily, they don't normally give mortgages to foreigners for property in Sicily. But since it happened to fall under the Comune of Terramina, they made an exception. And so we totally lucked out and got an Italian mortgage. So we found online a mortgage broker and we used him to line up the mortgage. And then he recommended to us a property finder. And we, we used her to find the property and did a limited power of attorney. She pretty much acted as the realtor and signed the papers for us while we were still in the States. Wow. And at that point, you were all in. Oh my gosh. No, no going back after that. <laughs> <laughs> nope. How is banking and managing finances within Sicily? Then it was confusing and horrifying, and now it's fine and we understand it, but it was a steep learning curve for sure. The property finder also took us to the bank, physically took us to a bank on one of our vacations here and helped us open a bank account, which pretty much took the entire day. It's not like in America, it's very complicated. And then of course she could translate as well. So we did manage to open a bank account, which was essential to continue 
continuing the process. Then when we got to the point finally, and there were all kinds of cookups along the way, but it's when we finally got to the point where we were able to close the deal and become owners of the house, we went to transfer this giant chunk of money over to Italy and our bank was no longer there. <laughs> <laughs> This is what happens in Sicily. It turns out they closed our branch and they never bothered to tell us and moved all our money to another branch. Oh, but we had no idea. We're like, um, okay, our entire savings is just missing somewhere. So they did. They closed our branch, moved it to another branch, which is about minutes from here. Not really convenient. So that was a little bit of a hiccup. But oh, it was I'd there. say, wow. But now we've got it. You know, they know us. So crazy Americans and we know them and we've got it all pretty much dialed in. We, we can do online banking. It, we got ATM cards, the whole bit. We're good. Super. Tell me about weather. There's a lot of climate scientists talking about the increasing temperatures and Sicily being of extreme concern, actually, regarding that. Tell me what you experience in terms of weather, what the conversations are there in Sicily about the island heating up. Uh, weather is definitely a concern for me. It's extremely hot here in July and August. But honestly, it's almost perfect weather the whole rest of the year. Mm, love that. So it's just, you know, it's just eight weeks, maybe 10, where it's difficult and scary. And it's scary because it's hot and humid, which I'm just not used to. Uh, my husband is, he's from Texas. So he's like, oh, this is nothing. <laughs> but I'm like sweating and uncomfortable and complaining a lot. And he's like, this is nothing, trust me. So apparently <laughs> it's not as bad as Texas or Florida or some other places. But um, for me... Like today, this is the middle of July. It's about 100. It's only 40% humidity out there, but to me, it feels like it's 100%. And it's uncomfortable, but there's places where it's much, much worse. Salem, Oregon, where we lived, it's hotter than this. And of course, Phoenix and Texas and Florida, they're just off the charts. Great for people to understand that because you read these things and you think, wow, it you know, actually must be hotter than Hades there because no. it's so concerning. And we host a lot of tourists from all over the world, Canada, mm -hmm. Australia, America, and all over Europe, of course. We have an American girl downstairs that's from Florida right now in the apartment, and we have a Dutch couple up here. And they're both saying like, oh, geez, it's not as hot as we thought. It's not that bad. And it's not August yet either, so it will get hotter. Sure. Okay. But it's not like it's six months or five months of, of no, really brutal. two months. Yeah. What about air conditioning? I'm assuming that you guys probably have some way to stay cool other places in town. Is it common to have AC? Well, electricity is very expensive here. There's only two things that are expensive here, and that's electricity and gasoline. Everything else is cheap. So we did invest in a giant solar system, and we do have air conditioning, a unit in every room. So we can use that pretty much without feeling guilty or having large bills to pay. In fact, we generate extra electricity and give it back to the grid and then they send us a check. So that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Do you have any concerns about things like natural disaster risks, seismic events, flooding, volcano? <laughs> I know you can yeah. see it. Not... <laughs> All of the above, but we're not worried about the volcano is the least of our worries. For one, my husband's a geographer and uh, he studied it very much before we bought the property. There's a ridge between us and Mount Etna, and any lava flow would be directed, redirected out toward the sea. It's it, it, She goes off, she went off like 69 times a couple years ago, and you know there was no injury or worry at all for okay. any house, any people. That's not a problem. The only thing that happens when the volcano goes off, which she goes off a lot, is that depending on which way the wind's blowing, sometimes the ash cloud 
you know, dumps on top of our property and makes a big muddy mess. But that's the worst. There's no danger. Okay. There are other dangers, though, uh, wildfire being the number one. A year after we got here, we almost lost everything to a wildfire. Oh, ready no. back with the animals and it was terrifying and horrible and all of Sicily was burning that year was 2021 and uh, the fire department was too busy with other fires so they didn't come the fire was put out by ourselves our friends our neighbors and even our Airbnb guests all pitched in and we put that out ourselves and wow. it was really 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 scary now we have a fire suppression system all around the property and a backup system we're covered when it's this hot and dry I worry about it constantly that's probably one of the scariest things and again it's only during this you know the short dry period we feel the same way in denver colorado i have to tell you this there you go yeah this particular year maybe not but you know we actually had an entire huge subdivision uh, west of us completely burned i think two houses were left standing fire happens you know yeah, it does. And it's terrifying. And this isn't something we really anticipated. We kind of underestimated the seriousness of fire danger here. Mm -hmm. One of the mistake, many mistakes we made was that we should have gotten the fire suppression system done right away instead of waiting until we knew, until we almost lost everything. Now we know. And uh, it's like California, you know, it's just fire is a real danger. Sure. And I know you share too in one of the books, I think it's the first one, that Salem and those horrible wildfires in Oregon in Northern California happened just right after you moved. I think you have a great story about you were sitting on the beach watching Dante's Inferno play out in front of you at the waves and mm -hmm. realizing horrifically what was happening back home and what your friends were facing, but you guys actually got out just yeah. before that. Before that. And then a year later, we had our own fire situation here. So there's no wherever you live, and, yes. you know, especially if you're in the country with lots of vegetation and it's hot, fire is going to be a real danger. So yes, we, we do have that. And in our three short years that we've been here, in addition to having a wildfire that almost took everything, we had a serious flood. <laughs> the same year that we had the fire, that fall, we had a flood that washed out a road and we were stranded for three days. Mm -hmm. Was, yeah, so I think it was a fluke um, from what everyone around here was telling me. It's like, we never get this much water. And it was so much, so much water all at once. It was, and it happened after the fire. So of course, you know, the trees mm -hmm. were dead and they weren't grabbing the water and the water came down. And it was, I'm like, this is all in one year, a year after we got here. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what have we done? <laughs> But I realize, you know, that there are natural disasters anywhere on the planet. It's not because we live in Sicily. But that year we did we did face a fire. We did face a flood. Um, and the winds, the winds are really scary here too. I feel like I'm frightening everyone away, but. <laughs> we'll move on to some sunnier topics in a minute. <laughs> we get, they're called the mist, mistral winds. I've never heard of them. They come down from France. Oh. And the way they travel down to Sicily, they like pick up speed. And mm -hmm. then we're in a valley, so they like spin around, you know, and pick up even more speed. And uh, we had to install what we call blast doors on our giant sliding windows because we're afraid some limb was going to come flying through. We have winds that are so scary. The dogs and I go hide in the bedroom and put on earphones. 
did not foresee this being a conversation. We'll catch the audience back though when we talk about food, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> we have not had any earthquakes. Great. So we're good. Okay. So far. You're giving the tip about doing a fire suppression system early if you're rural yeah. with acreage that are at risk is one of those yes. golden things that you can actually give as a gift. Thank you for that. I mean, yes, there's weather everywhere. There are things everywhere that we need to be watchful for in terms of nature, but preparing can make an entirely different scenario. So this is so helpful. Thank you. You're welcome. Other things that involve nature, proximity to water or hiking or cultural centers mm -hmm. of interest. I know your 10 minute drive from the beach. <laughs> Yes. That's incredible. It is incredible. So talk a little bit about the beauties there. Well, the beach town closest to us is the town that I told you we fell in love with, Giardini Noxos, and it's literally 10 minutes away, and it's just gorgeous. It's almost as gorgeous as Terramina. So we're very fortunate to be there because a lot of times, in fact, when we looked for property and we decided we wanted to be more in the country where it's less congested and you can park and it's quieter. Most of the houses that they were showing us were just way out in the middle of nowhere and they were dilapidated. So we found this place that's in the country, but yet 20 minutes to Terramina, 10 minutes to the beach. It was perfect. Absolutely perfect. Because we're in the Alcantara Valley, we're very close to the Alcantara River that literally mm -hmm. goes through an ancient aqueduct goes through our property. So we have several different um, bodies of water around. It's a very very lush green valley. In fact, I was surprised by how green and lush it can be in Sicily because you always hear how hot and dry it is. Within the valley are, you know, this beautiful Alcantara Gorge, which is like a mini Grand Canyon, just gorgeous. There's the Alcantara River, everything's called Alcantara something. Our farm also happens to be right next to an old railway bridge with giant arches. So we figured it was an appropriate name, the Arches of Alcantara, because we're right next to this feature that has arches. We will post some photos, Barbara. The those are incredible arches, those stone arches. Archidel Alcantara. <laughs> you see them from every room in this house. And through the arch, you see the tip of Mount Edna. It really is magical. And you can hike up there on that on that bridge too and get a whole view, a view of the valley. Oh. So there is hiking, hiking available too, just by using that little bridge. What you've gone through is worth it. <laughs> we think so. Yes. All right, let's talk a little bit about the people. You mentioned so many times in your writing about it was really the people that, that made you fall in love with, not only your relatives, the people of Sicily that made you fall in love with the area. Talk to me a little bit about their general attitude toward expats. They've been incredibly welcoming. I'm not convinced that it's because my last name is Palermo. And I, I know that their eyes light up when I tell them my name's Palermo, the capital of Sicily. And they're like, Paisano, you're welcome home. You know, they see you as coming home because to them, which is why you get citizenship through blood, you know, you're Italian, Sicilian, it's in your blood. They see us as belonging and coming home. But I have other friends here that don't have a drop of Italian blood, and they're just as welcome. So I, I, I'm really certain that the people here are just very genuinely kind people. They love it, and they're honored that people from other countries would want to come and live. Sounds very welcoming. It really is. And they're very kind. We had them, they took care of the house for us for two years when we owned it, but couldn't quite live in it yet because we were still working in America. So they came once a week and checked it. Another guy came and built a kitchen for us. And when we got here, they were waiting for us in our house because they knew it was a long, a long road of traveling. And it was through the whole COVID mess. And they were, they were sitting here with a big pasta dinner waiting for us. And mm. 
And they've helped us in just hundreds of ways. That's amazing. How do you do with those relationships or just in your daily life in terms of Italian or Sicilian? I'm not sure. What what, what is spoken there in, in general? Both. The language is a problem. I've studied a little bit before I moved here and now I've been living here for three years and I've tried every kind of way to learn Italian online, self-study with friends in person classes, you name it. I've tried it. Music, TV, films. I've tried everything and I'm stuck at an intermediate level, but it depends on who I'm talking to. If I'm speaking with someone who speaks standard, standard Italian, like somebody who's, you know, runs a business and deals with tourists a lot and speaks more Italian, I do pretty well. But where we live in the country between two small villages, we're mostly dealing with older gentlemen and it's Sicilian dialect. And it's not just one Sicilian dialect. Every little town has its own Sicilian dialect. And it's Arabic and Greek. It's very different. And they speak very fast. So I think that that is a struggle that's just going to always be there. I'm still working on standard Italian. And the better I get at that, but, you know, the more it will help. But you're surviving. Yeah, we get by. <laughs> We're <laughs> And your life isn't necessarily as simple as some will be. I mean, you run a business. So therefore, you actually have more complexity to deal with than most people would if they were just right. going to retire. So you can survive with very little either Italian or Sicilian. <laughs> we took on more than probably most expats would take on, which is why it's been a little more difficult for us. We live in the country, we have a farm to run, which means property, which means things always breaking, and we host travelers, so there's a level of work there. We have animals, we have trees, so we've taken on more than most people probably would. You mentioned you know the other expats that are coming into the area, so I'm assuming that you have a community also? Yeah, we were actually very surprised by the number of American expats and other expats that we have met and continue to discover in small town Sicily. Like really surprised that there's a lot of us here. And at Thanksgiving, we host a big party for expats and we have a Thanksgiving dinner here. It's pretty special. Fun. Keep those traditions. Let's focus for a few minutes on real estate. I did a little bit of looking on Idealista. I get so lost. <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about what you know about real estate prices, both in apartments and homes, as well as rent. We do have a soon-to-be expat couple that we know that's moving here from Florida, and they found an apartment in Giardini Noxos, the beach that's nearby, but they're in America at the moment, and so they asked us to go check it out for them. And it's 700 euro a month and I believe it includes utilities. So we went and checked it out for them just the other day. And it's very nice. It's within walking distance to the beach, but off the beaten path. So they're not in all the congestion. It has even a yard for their dog. And it's very nice. And I think the price is very reasonable. I think they're going to take it and they're going to move in September 1st. You know, I don't know what the square meters is, but it's a two bedroom with a good size yard. Yeah. So it's a decent size. It's not tiny. So that seems reasonable to me. It seems more than reasonable. Uh, more than? More than, yeah. With utilities? It's like, I don't know, a seven minute walk to the beach. As far as purchasing, I don't know because we bought our house back in 2018 and I really not looked since then because we're not in the market. And we bought a farm with property. We didn't buy a house or an apartment. So I don't know, but I believe you can still get a decent place in town for probably less than 150000 Sure. Mm -hmm. Less than 150000 Yeah, I think so. 
I did a little snooping on Idealista. I wanted my criteria to include at least two bedrooms. Um, two baths anywhere okay. in Italy is kind of hard to find. <laughs> um, it just doesn't seem to be a huge priority. But in terms of a standalone house, there were some very nice houses for, I think it kind of started around, I'm going to say 200,000. They were very nice with all the amenities that you would look for. Under that, there were also some that I would be very happy in, but maybe wouldn't include everything that Americans would be expecting aesthetically and might be redos in terms of that, not derelict. When I'm looking, I look for a drop the gavel house. There was one for 265,000 euros that converts to 291,000 in today's current rate. And it was a gorgeous three bedroom, one bath with AC, heat pump, 764 square feet, which was surprising that square footage was lower when you're getting up into almost 300,000. But again, this is a resort town. This is Termina. It was on a gorgeous street sitting in the middle of everything. There were views of the sea wow. and Etna from a perfect terrazzo, tons of light, high ceilings, nice floors, walkable to everything and the bus. 291,000 for mm -hmm. that near the ocean with those views, you can't touch anywhere. No, no. In the U.S. It goes to show the quality that you can purchase even in a resort town. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're sitting on a couple of acres here with a brand new villa that was rebuilt and we're 10 minutes to the Ionian Sea and we could never ever afford this house in America. No one can. I mean this house was cheaper than a tiny place in Salem, Oregon that was more than 50 miles from the beach and less than a quarter acre. And I think in terms of affordability the visa requirements scare a lot of people. It can honestly be very hard to achieve passive income mm -hmm. from the elective residency visa standpoint. If they'll stop and look at real estate prices in Italy versus the U.S. And remember, you can take the difference in the cost of housing in the U.S. compared to what you pay in Italy. That money then can go into your savings or an annuity to help you achieve those things. I think sometimes for those of us focused on affordability in Italy, you got to get a little creative, but you can't forget one of the biggest benefits to an American would be the housing costs are so much lower. You have to consider that um, what you can buy here, if you sell a crappy little house in California, you're going to live like a king here and buy a beautiful villa on a giant chunk of land. You're also going to have, if you have citizenship, you're going to have free health care. So there's a whole bunch of money in your pocket. And you're going to have a better quality of life and a less expensive quality of life. Like I said, the only things that are expensive here is electricity and gas. Let's talk about that. What are utilities like? Everything here takes a long time. And it did take a while for the solar to be up and running and functioning properly. That was a long year. Before we had it working properly, our electric bills were, well, there's also something to consider here too, is that electricity, most places come with a minimum, which is like three kilowatts. We bumped it up to 10, which is a lot for this area and costs more and you need another meter and that costs more and more taxes, mm -hmm. more everything. Anyway, uh, I think in the, in the hottest months, we were paying about 400 euro a month. Now that we have solar, we're not off the grid. We still have it connected to the grid as a backup. We've got it down to like 65 a month. We thought 400 was pretty high, but 65 is magical. You still have to pay the taxes and for the meter. 
So there's always going to be some cost. But like I said, we make so much energy that we sell it back to them and then we get a reimbursement check. So we probably break out even. That's so great. Transportation, switching to that. Do you need a car there? Is driving necessary or can you get around by public transportation? I realize you're rural, so obviously that's a necessity. But in terms of people who live in communes there, is bus transportation pretty good? They do have bus stops in every town, even tiny towns, tiny villages have bus stops. I think they're fairly reliable. There's fewer buses in the off season and maybe fewer buses on a Sunday. So if you really have to rely on them, there might be times where it's a little more problematic. But I think for the most part, they're doable, they're inexpensive, and they're pretty much everywhere. We don't take the bus. I've never taken a bus here yet, but we do take the trains. The trains are amazing. But because we live in the country, we um, have our own car. And I did have to go through the huge ordeal of getting an Italian driver's license. And I have a little smart for two, which I love because it can squeeze through any road, park anywhere, which is important here. My husband has one of those three-wheel APA car. Uh, they call him a Lapa in Sicilian. And it's great. You know, can't go on the highway with it, but he can haul hay around the country roads with it. So we have two tiny cars. I do have a driver's license. And for longer trips, we rely on the trains, which we love. Great. Okay. What about airports, air travel? Air travel is also great. We're about 45 minutes to the Catania Airport. We can take a train there and then we can hop on a plane. And the cool part about being situated right smack in the middle of the Mediterranean is that we can be like, hey, you want to go to Portugal for the weekend? How about Belgium? How about Prague? We can get to any exotic location for less than a hundred bucks and in less than three hours. It's awesome. You're killing me. Mm -hmm. Seriously. Other services, support services, businesses, like auto repair, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. We live, we, we live in the country um, halfway between two small villages. One's Trepatello, the other's Gachi. Both have post office, grocery stores, all the pharmacies, doctors, you know, all the normal stuff. If you need something more specialized, you could go to Messina or Catania on the train. You get there in about an hour and pretty much still have everything. Talk to us a little bit about your experiences in healthcare since you've been in Sicily. And I want to pay special attention to some of those arguments that expats have against Sicily as a place to retire due to the reputation of having no or poor healthcare. It's something that I think stands in the way many times from people even considering or exploring Sicily as a place to retire. Okay. Well, this is probably my favorite topic here. And so I cannot talk a little bit about it. You're probably going to have to cut me off. I have a lot of experience and I think it's very important and I, I really want to share it. Sicily in general has a bad reputation because Sicilians have been discriminated against historically from the north. Uh, and Americans don't know a lot about Sicily except what they see in the movies and they think everyone is a criminal. And it just has a bad reputation and it's undeserving. It really is undeserving. I visited here many times and I've lived here for three years. It's just not the case. And healthcare here for me, it just has been amazing. It has been so much better than I even could have hoped for. And so I'll give you a couple of examples. In America, I had a back that was giving me problems, and I also had knees that were hurting a lot. And I could never, ever get my insurance company. And we had good insurance. We had federal jobs with good insurance. We could never get the insurance company to approve an MRI. And so they just guess at what the problem was, throw pills at me, nothing ever worked. You wait a long time. You pay a monthly fee for health insurance. I don't know how much it was. Then there's co-pays, insurance papers, blah, blah, blah. And the outcome was never good. 
most times we never even saw a real doctor. We had to deal with the receptionist and we had to deal with the nurse. And then if we're lucky, we got to see a physician's assistant. I was literally told once after I waited, I don't know, six weeks to get in. They said, okay, you have 10 minutes and can ask two questions. And out the door, out the door you go. And we never saw the doctor or communicated with the doctor. So it was very frustrating. And I never, I never got a good resolution. So now, in contrast, I come to Italy. My knees are bothering me more because of all the steep hills and stairs on my property and throughout Sicily. So I went to the general doctor in my little village. He said I should go see an orthopedic surgeon and gave me some contact information. And I got a hold of him. It's amazing because now I have an orthopedic surgeon that comes to my house after I text him personally, no receptionist, no office, no paperwork, no insurance. I just text doctor, you know, it's Barbara Palermo and, um, you know, my knees are bothering me again. And he's like, okay, does tomorrow at three work for you? I'm like, yes. He comes to my house, we drink espresso, we chat. Well, first of all, I got the MRIs I needed here right away. So there's two options here. You can do the kind of pay-as-you-go private thing, and uh, it's right away, but you have to pay a little more. Or you can, if you're willing to wait, you can do the the public system, which is much, much cheaper, if not free. It turns out that the pay-as-you-go private um, healthcare here is very affordable. An MRI was less than $200. So I got it two days later, and it was $200. It was a state-of-the-art facility. They were very professional. They hand you the CD with your image on it. You um, then text your doctor. He texts you back directly, says, okay, I'll come to your house, you know, day after tomorrow. We drink coffee. He sticks the CD in his computer, which he brought with him. We discussed my MRI and the results and everything. Now, uh, it turns out I did not have arthritis, as they guessed, in America because, well, I could never get a diagnosis because I could never get the MRI approved. It turns out it wasn't that at all. It was some more of a mechanical issue with my knee. And so now he comes whenever I text him and he gives me these uh, hyaluronic acid injections directly into my knee joint. It's 150 bucks per knee and it lasts mm-hmm. for about a year. And I'm pain-free. That's a life changer. And that's going to change your life expectancy if it was inhibiting you from exercise. Exactly. It's more like having a concierge service. So here it's free. You just text him. He comes. You pay for the shot. 300 bucks. Both knees are done. Pain-free for a year. It's amazing. That sounds like such a stress reduction. You know, I had a similar experience with a dermatologist. I had a terrible rash on my hands and I went to a dermatologist. I paid him 80 bucks and he gave me a prescription that was like 20 bucks and instant, instant solution. And do the right things to get the right diagnosis. It's just such a waste of time and money in all honesty, um, from the provider standpoint and in the U.S. when the insurance is unwilling to pay for the right diagnostic tools. It is. It really is. We used the public system once because it wasn't urgent and my husband needed to see a pulmonologist. And it did take a while. It took eight weeks to get an appointment, but it cost $22 and we got what we needed. Honestly, from the U.S. standpoint, you're going to wait eight weeks. That's a specialist. And it's not going to cost $22 without insurance. No, 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 no. Yeah. Now, is your perception that because of where you are, you have excellent healthcare in Sicily? Or do you hear other people in other areas in Sicily also having positive outcomes, the healthcare system? I have. So I know it's not just us and I know it's not just a fluke because we've used the system many times now in three years, both private and public. Mm-hmm. But I have my friends that are living in Malili, which is a town down in the Syracuse region. And 
The where region? Syracuse. Syracuse, okay. And so it's about an hour and a half south of here. So it's a completely different city, a completely different region. She's from New York and they go back and forth, but now they're going to move here permanently here pretty soon. But they go back and stay three months at a time. They have a house down there. And she suffers from severe migraine. Mm. In America, she tells me these horror stories of fighting with the insurance companies for this medication and that medication. They won't cover it. Her co-pays are outrageous. The struggle itself causes more stress, which causes more migraine. <laughs> so it's really a horrible situation. And here she can get the meds for very inexpensively. She can get real help and she's extremely satisfied. Gosh, that's great to hear too. So further south. Further south, yeah. So that's a different part of, yeah. of Italy. And I, I also know a Sicilian. Well, I know lots of Sicilians, but I have a friend here who lives in another town and she's a diabetic. And she tells me that she gets everything she needs for absolutely free to treat her diabetes. And we all know what the news has been in the U.S. for the last several years regarding diabetes. The fundamental difference in Italy is that healthcare is not run like a for-profit business. It is a basic human right. Mm. It's accessible and it's affordable. And that's just the way it should be. Agree. A hundred and ninety. I can't tell you how many people we know in America that would work, 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 afraid to retire well into their 70s. I can't retire because health insurance will bankrupt me. That's a whole nother topic that retirees in, in America don't know what's coming with Medicare. The 20% co-pays that can happen more than once a year. I mean, just 20% of one hospital stay, right? Just imagine. Absolutely terrible. It's one of my biggest reasons for expat. People shouldn't have to think that way. And here you don't. Whatever it is, it's going to be affordable. You don't have to. You don't have to live in fear of getting good quality, efficient healthcare. That is amazing. Thank you. And still, expats that come here, they are all the time shopping. Who do you recommend for um, insurance? I'm like, none. You don't need it. You don't need it. They cannot <laughs> accept that as a fact. But I'm telling you, it's a fact. You don't need it. Thank you so much for giving us some sunshine on the healthcare situation in Sicily. Again, I, so often I read of people saying there's no healthcare or the healthcare is, you know, subpar, no. 1950s healthcare, yeah. et cetera. It's so good to hear. It's awesome. State of the art, quality, affordable, awesome. Food. <laughs> Affordability, yes, but we'd like to draw. <laughs> I would say second to the awesome healthcare is food. <laughs> <laughs> The cuisine here is completely different than mainland Italy, completely different. Most people know we're known for cannoli and our food arancini, like fried rice balls stuffed with yummy things. But I've learned about all kinds of dishes I didn't even know existed. There's a pasta. Every region has its own pasta. I never knew there were so many kinds of different pasta. In this area, they call it macaroni, but macaroni is not like what you think of in America, the little elbow macaroni. It's not that. They're more like they're they're made by wrapping the dough around bicycle spokes, and they're long and skinny. They're, they look like snakes, little snakes. They're like four inches long. It's made with, of course, a sauce that's rich with sausage and fennel and just delicious. Uh, they use a lot of eggplant here, so there's also a topping for pasta here called caponata. It's very heavy on the eggplant, and it's, it's delicious. Sometimes Sometimes it's got raisins in it. It's very unique. Of course, seafood here or at the beach, it's to die for, fresh as can be, mm. all affordable, mm. all wonderful. We were surprised that, you know, obviously the beaches are lined with wonderful restaurants and Terramina is full, hundreds of literally magnificent restaurants. There's some really good restaurants out here in the countryside too. And maybe a little bit more affordable in terms of... Uh regular wallets? Yeah, but you know, it's all really affordable. Terramine is a little higher, but even there, it's not outrageous. It's nothing like what you would pay in America. 
people can eat out fairly often and not break the budget. You can eat out often. You can get real quality food that's fresh and local. You can have your wine, your aperitifs are big here. And a lot of times they will give you a complimentary aperitif after your meal just to say thank you for coming. <laughs> and you don't have to tip here. So it's very affordable. <laughs> Okay, that's so sweet that they give you a gift of an aperitivo. They speak my language. <laughs> that's my love language. <laughs> it's, it's hard to get used to not tipping because it's so, you know, beat into us in America. You have to tip your horrible person if you only at least 20% or I don't even know what it is there now. Right. And so here it was a hard habit to break. We felt like horrible people. You know, we, we wanted to leave mm -hmm. a tip. We had to leave a tip. We'd leave a tip and they would chase us down the street to give us our money back and say, you, you left too much money. No, no, no. Oh, you made a mistake. We finally learned that if you really love a place, you can leave like two euro. But you just, you don't tip here. It's just not part of the culture. They don't expect it. And they think if you do leave it, you either made a mistake or you're showing off. But really, you don't tip here. Thank you for adding that because the guilt, the guilt is huge. Mm -hmm. And the self-perception that making somebody else live a reduced life. But in fact, I think the wages that waiters and the staff make in restaurants in Italy are actually meant to be a decent lifestyle. Exactly. It's very different here. And for them, the greatest gift you can give them is to just, you know, come back and bring your friends. They don't need a tip. And they're very, very grateful. And if you come back a couple of times, they're all over you. They're so happy to see you. <laughs> yeah. And then are there special events that make your area unique? Italy's big on festivals all over, I think. In our area, yeah, we have our share of festivals all year round, and they're one of our favorite things to do, besides going to a lovely outdoor cafe and drinking wine and eating seafood and watching people walk by. Our other favorite thing to do is to go to one of these festivals. Every little town has its patron saint. So our little town, it's St. Rita, the saint of the impossible. <laughs> We feel like she's blessed us because we've conquered the impossible. We always pay homage to her and go to the St. Rita Festival every year. <laughs> it's really fun. There's vendors on the street selling peanuts and the whole town gathers in the piazza and the church bells are ringing and there's fireworks and then they march the statue all over town and everybody follows her and throws roses at her and it's, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. So we always enjoy those kind of festivals, the St. Festivals. And then, of course, in the fall, it's Vendemia, which is the first wine of the year. The wine is a very big deal here. We have the barrel races and the dancing and the singing and the wine tasting. And that's always fun. And then in our little town down the road called Motocomastra is a fabulous walnut festival every October. It's just as cute as can be. Very lively, very fun. They make everything bread, arancini, I don't know, anything you can think of that they make it with walnuts. And then of course, oh, in February, there's the Carnival, which is like Mardi Gras. Oh, oh yeah. That's so important to me. So fun. The floats are amazing. Just uh, really amazing. It's all free. You can go to these festivals and not spend any money except a couple bucks on a glass of wine and, you know, maybe a snack and, and have a lovely time and not spend any money. There's plenty of festivals wherever you live here. Barbara, you are living, you and Ken are living a rich life affordably. And that's exactly what I was hoping to hear today. Thank you so much for taking so much time and sharing all about that. I mean, I think you've painted an amazing picture of Terramina and the area that I don't hear when rumors are flying. So I absolutely love getting firsthand, firsthand from you. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome.
when listeners are looking at your pictures and are thinking about that wonderful set of arches out uh-huh. there, how would they go about finding you if they were interested in looking for a farm stay? Well, we have a YouTube channel and a farm website and we're on Airbnb. So we're out there. If you just look up, it's called in English, it's the Arches of Alcantara. In Italian, it's Archi, A-R-C-H-I, Dale, D-E-L-L, Alcantara, which is spelled exactly like it sounds. And so you can find us online if you type that in. We're easy to find. We're out there. We're also on Google Maps. If you just zoom in on the area, our little B&B will pop up. And I actually did find you that way. That was a really easy way to find you. Good. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else they should know if they're considering now Sicily as a place to retire to? Really, my advice is that if you have any inclination of doing this, just go forward and do it. Because citizenship, if you can, if you qualify for citizenship, that's the best way to go, obviously. And if you think, well, I'm too old, I'm never going to use it, I'm never going to move abroad, I'm already 60 or whatever. Think about your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. Because when you apply for citizenship, they all get it too. What a gift. They can work and live anywhere in an EU, what is there, 22 EU countries, and have access to fabulous healthcare and so on and so forth. And so it's a, it's a great opportunity. And you never know what's going to happen in America. It's just nice to have options. And you don't have to be rich to do it because we certainly aren't. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I so appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, we'll link your farm stay in the show notes as well as do um, some things on Facebook about that. Your books as well. I'm so enjoying. I will probably read them in reverse order. I'll probably finish uh, Retired in Sicily and then move to Over the Moon, but loving it. Great. Well, thank you so much for including me in your project and um, helping spread the word. And yes, you're you're welcome here anytime. Please pay us a visit. Oh, I would love to. I've seen your pictures. (laughs) Okay. I want to look at those arches with Etna. There you go. You can see it from your bedroom. (laughs) Crazy beautiful. All right. All right. Very nice to meet you. Okay. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like us and subscribe for more. We will continue to explore regions, towns, taxes, and tips here and on Facebook at Affordable Italy, Living La Dolce Vita on a bootstring, at Instagram under the same name, and now at italyisaffordable.com. If you know anyone who is living in Italy who'd like to converse with me, I'd love to meet them via my email, italyisaffordable at gmail.com. And now for that much-anticipated limoncello. Chin chin! Chin chin!